Welcome to Nakubo in Brief, a podcast series from the National Association of College and University Business Officers. I'm President and CEO Susan Wheeler Johnston, and I'd like to thank you for tuning in today. Our mission with this podcast is to help our listeners better understand the challenges that face the business of higher education. Our hope is that you walk away with a stronger sense of the trends, policies, legislative and regulatory issues that may impact campuses today and in the future. You can find resources for today's episode, as well as a wide variety of educational tools at nakubo.org. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you enjoy the podcast. In today's episode of Nakubo in Brief, we're excited to present the final episode of a four-part series discussing one of higher education's biggest challenges, financial modeling and the value of forecasting in the face of uncertainty. I'm Sue Mendito, Senior Director of Accounting Policy here at Nakubo. And in this episode, we're again joined by Larry Goldstein, President of Campus Strategies and author of the third, fourth, and recently released fifth edition of College and University Budgeting, and Brett Matteo, Managing Director of the PFM Group and President of Scenario Software. Welcome back, gentlemen. In this episode, we'd like to talk about how colleges and universities might really use these tools to better plan for the future. We'd like to discuss a few scenarios and experiences that you've had and help make it real for our audience. So, Larry, in your experience working with campuses, how have you seen forecasting used? So, Sue, I'm going to take you back to uh, one of my early campus positions when I worked for the School of the Art Institute of Chicago. It's my second job in higher education. I was a controller there. And we didn't have any sophistication, to be candid. Um, this I'm old enough to remember before there were things like Lotus or SuperCalc or VisiCalc or Excel. And we did everything with an adding machine and paper. And, and you can imagine our, our level of sophistication was not very high. And we made a lot of guesses. Most of our guesses were wrong. We, we had to make a lot of mid-year adjustments. And as, as my career progressed and I was introduced to more sophisticated tools such as spreadsheet software and those types of things, we found that we could do a lot of things through the advent of computers and technology and, and make projections and then go back afterward and look at it to see how close we were and whether we were using the right things. More recently, probably within the last 20 years, maybe a little over that, a tool was introduced that took an Excel application to a new level, and it was called Future Perfect. And at some point, PFM acquired Future Perfect and made it available. And the power that was introduced with this, in some ways, transformed institutions because they literally were able to have the opportunity to put in variables, run sophisticated analyses and come back and say, oh, that variable doesn't make sense because of what it does over here. This whole idea of looking at the institution. And so I've worked with institutions that relied on different tools. Again, smaller institutions, less sophistication, less resources, working with kind of rudimentary projections and seeing about that. It's a lot harder to go back and do retrospective analysis in that situation. And then the introduction of a tool that has been supplanted, but a tool called Future Perfect that allowed you to go back and do retrospective analysis. Gee, if we'd been more more aware of what was happening with our enrollment, we could have made this happen. So this whole series of activities, and we've reached a point where the demands are 
significantly greater, but the technology has caught up and, in fact, surpassed it. And I think I want to get Brett to talk a little bit about the direction that PFM has taken with the tools that are available to support the type of scenario planning, especially for the more sophisticated institutions that's demanded of today's climate. Way back when, I'm talking probably 20 years ago, uh, as a PFM partner, we focused on um, debt and, and the credit and investments for higher ed institutions. Uh, I was wearing my financial advisory hat, and I noticed that everybody had the same problem, which is they were using relatively clunky spreadsheets to try to make a financial projection. Uh, the the three-statement integrated set of financials with all the metrics that we talked about in the prior podcast, the ability to change operating variables, but then fold in two or three or five versions of a dorm project or a new sponsored research plan, et cetera, et cetera. And it was, it was really difficult. So we set about to solve that problem, um, failed miserably, I might add, uh, over a couple of years because it's a really complicated problem to do it right. And then, as Larry said, uh, we discovered something called Future Perfect, which was a pretty nifty software um, or application of Excel. It was a well-constructed spreadsheet, enough so that as a you know, my only skill in life being an Excel jockey, uh, I, I bought this Excel spreadsheet. Um, PFM improved upon it, added 25,000 lines of macros, and it did exactly what Larry said, which is allow institutions to finally get their arms around this perspective view of their financial future, the forecast, allowed them to uh, deal with the complexity of all that. But the whole time we were selling Future Perfect, we recognized that there were some problems with it, um, and it, they were mostly um, founded in the in the in the basis. The foundational problem was that they were based in spreadsheets, and for all their charms, um, these spreadsheets have some hair on them, as we say. Um, they're cell based. You have to write, you know, long formulas um, inside of individual cells and properly copy all those cells and make all the relative references and keep all the range names straight. Dealing with scenarios became almost impossible possible. You either are writing conditional logic or running macros to save this version versus that, or you're literally saving hundreds of versions of the spreadsheet on your on your, uh, on your desktop. Um, it's a, a single-user environment, and we've all dealt with read-only. So everybody has their own copy, and you have to get together in the conference room. It was problematic. Uh, you know, We've all tried to trace where did that formula come from with some sort of Byzantine audit trail, uh, et cetera, et cetera. On it went. You had to take your, your graph out of the spreadsheet and dump it in the PowerPoint. God forbid a board member asked for an update. You had to do it all over again. So with all that in mind, even while we're selling Future Perfect, as fabulous as it was for many, many years, we kept our eye out for more transfa- uh, transformational software, and we think we found it. It was originally branded as White Birch. We've recently rebranded it as Scenario, S-Y-N-A-R-I-R-O. And, and the point of this speaks back to the prior three podcasts. Uh, I'm kind of proud to say that for the right um, user, not all users, but for the right user who needs relatively sophisticated modeling, Scenario allows for those multiple permutations of different um, uh, assumption sets to coexist and allow for comparative analysis in the same model at the same time. And this is life-changing for an actual actual institutional user. Um, we, we now have 60-plus uh, higher ed institutions using it, and, uh, and we're really proud of what it is. And aside from this uh, kind of uh, bald-faced uh, uh, sales pitch, uh, I'm, I'm proselytizing because I believe in it, but aside from that, it addresses this, 
the, the, the fundamental problems that we've been talking about in the abstract over these last three podcasts. It allows for an integration with a budget, which we've decided is intimately, uh, 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 integrally important to being able to start any sort of analysis. You need the budget. It needs to reflect your, your, your values and your goals and your planning. Um, but that budget then needs to be projected into the future. And you need to be able to deal with the, the proper set um, of variables linked to one another with some sort of logic to create an organic uh, live version of your um, of your institution, of your business going forward and into the future. It needs to deal with all the changes to those organic variables, all the capital projects with the attendant variables, the different versions of the capital projects. It needs to capture all of that complexity so that you can get a sense without creating false precision of what the future looks like. And then that needs to be able to be communicated to your board, to your senior management, so that you can drive the the discussion, so you can have real conversations about the decisions on the table and that has to happen in real time. It can't be some sort of clunky um, spreadsheet slash PowerPoint exercise spreading out over weeks and weeks and weeks. It needs to happen in pretty darn short order. And and uh, just to wrap it back up, uh, we think we now have a tool that does all that. It's not for everybody. If it's uh, if you're a simple institution that needs just a, a 50 line spreadsheet, uh, you should use that, and that will be fine. And you'll probably get most of what you need. But if you need an integrated a tool that integrates with your budget that allows for real, true financial modeling and scenario planning, uh, looking out into the future in a sophisticated way, that's what Scenario is all about. So that's why I was really pleased to have the opportunity to work with Larry uh, on this series and and on the uh, the book. We think that budgeting and forecasting is the way institutions ought to, ought to plan. This should not be a haphazard uh, procedure. It should be a well-thought-out process that is done on a consistent basis in an open and transparent way. Uh, and, and most importantly, you, you're going to need tools to make that happen. And that's what we're all about. So, Brett, I have a question. We, we know and we hear just in the headlines uh, almost uh, weekly tuition-dependent institutions, liberal arts institutions, those institutions may be most at risk and may really need to take that step back and examine their economic or their business model. Can this multidimensional forecasting that you're talking about with the scenario building capabilities, can that work for those smaller tuition-dependent liberal arts institutions that may be vulnerable? And what are the, re- what are the real advantages? Or, and, and then maybe I'd like, we'd like to hear from Larry, because you may have some of those as clients, Larry, and how, could, how might you help them take this leap? These institutions, uh, we, we've, we've um, dealt with them and, and um, have some as clients, and uh, um, <coughs> I think others should be clients. Um, they're in an existential crisis, some of them, they, whether or not they exist, really um, turns on their answers to key questions. Um, and whether they have a, a two-year fuse or a 10-year fuse, they're at a point where they need to have informed decision-making. And yet these same institutions, because they're very often resource-challenged, um, are not doing much of the planning that probably um, could inform their survival. Um, they they are on the brink of perhaps not existing, and yet 
uh, can't take the time because they're, you know, they're very often don't have much in the way of staff or don't have the resources to, um, you know, buy sophisticated software or for that matter, sit down and type into an Excel spreadsheet. Uh, and so the planning goes by the wayside. And yet they're the very institutions that probably need it more than anybody else. So it, it's, it's, um, it's easy for me to say. But I feel like um, those challenged institutions need to take a breath um, and and just um, take a step back and make sure they're doing the right thing as opposed to just doing anything to survive. And I think planning and, and, and a good, strong budget and forecasting uh, regime is, is part of that. Larry, can you imagine um, some of the smaller institutions you've worked with really being able to uh benefit from a solid forecasting exercise? Without question, I think they have to. Um, Brett's exactly right when he talks about the fact that they're they're all facing a fuse of some length. They've got to do things. Uh, One of the things that scares me the most is when when I'm asked to to help an institution that's literally just throwing things at the wall, hoping something's going to stick and generate revenues. And too often I go to institutions that literally do not have any type of sophistication when it comes to approving a new endeavor. And so what I try to help them do is become more disciplined about that and and come up with, you know, I know that, that many in the academic world uh, cringe when they hear business terminology, but the fact remains that something akin to a business case needs to be uh, developed anytime you're diverting resources. And so to say we want to start a new program in this, or we want to start a new program that they need to do the analysis of what's reasonable with that program. You know, I, I, I get very nervous when someone wants help with strategic planning and I ask how they're going to finance a strategic plan and they tell me, well, we're going to start doing things that generate revenues. Sue and Brett, you both know you don't generate revenues year one, new revenues. I mean, it, you mm-hmm. build it, it takes time. And so that's where the forecasting, even if you don't have the, the, the resources with which to acquire scenario, um, or, or any other type of sophisticated tool to help you. At a minimum, you need to look at what's what's realistic down the road and what's the range of possibilities. You know, I'm I'm old school. I still use terminology like most likely best case and worst case scenarios and say let's let's figure out where we are in that and even if you can't be as sophisticated with a full range of variables like you could be in the days of future perfect and now can do a scenario even if you have to limit the number of variables that you're projecting the fact that you look at them and make a realistic assessment of what could happen what likely will happen and use that to guide your thinking about where to make your investments, how to build your budget, how to tie that back to your planning, as opposed to just, you know, as, as we were saying, just putting going after any new potential revenue stream and hoping that one of those pays off for you. Because the competition is fierce. You've got to develop more sophisticated skills. Even if you don't have the ability to purchase the tools, everybody has Excel. Everybody can sit and examine the past and look at what things that they now know influenced how things turned out and start making the judgments about what's likely to happen with those in the future. So I, I really do believe, Sue, it's possible. And this, this capability can be learned. It's a skill set that can be developed. You can practice, just make some judgments about simple variables. And then as you gain expertise and experience, then you become more sophisticated. Um, I, I, I think it's essential. I would add, uh, just as an example, um, a a small uh, liberal arts college in the Mid-Atlantic 
was challenged and uh, the board uh, having kicked around a long list of um, possible uh, solutions decided to uh, lower t- tuition to uh, increase enrollment and um, they had they had done the math and uh, this was going to be a revenue jump uh, for them and uh, so it seemed like a no-brainer based on a relatively simple spreadsheet analysis what i've learned is that that these institutions small though they might be it, it's a it's a a much more complicated story very often. And you need a, a, a fuller field view. You need to know what the impact is on the balance sheet. You need to know the complete breadth of a decision like that. And it turned out when they finally kind of modeled it all up uh, that they didn't have the housing capacity that they thought. And solving the housing capacity problem meant that their increased enrollment uh, at a lower price actually cost them money. And uh, so then they started increasing uh, the pricing, uh, which, of course, hit the elasticity curve and started curtailing the enrollment problem. Um, the, the point being that every time you pull on one thread, others move. And, and that kind of broader view is critical if you're going to really understand your financial story going forward. Uh, it can't be, um, except in the most extremely simple cases, it can't be a one-off analysis or a simple analysis. Very often, even if there's a few variables, it needs to be a comprehensive analysis. And and um, that's what I've, I've been learning and, and uh, uh, with the 300 plus uh, institutions I've worked with over the years, that this planning exercise, this uh, forecasting exercise, the budgeting exercise is at times painful. At times you have to deal with a tremendous amount of uncertainty and ambiguity, but you have to do it because otherwise you're going to make the wrong decision. Thanks, Brett. And thanks, Larry. Uh, we are butting up against our time limit today. This is such a, a huge topic. I, I know we can go on, but we, we don't have uh, the available time to do that. I'd like to thank both of you for your thoughts today, uh, for sharing your insights on how forecasting and budgeting are intertwined, but most importantly, sharing your thoughts on the forecasting imperative in higher education today. And that concludes our uh, last podcast. We really appreciate you tuning in. Mm -hmm.